Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. You deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. It's far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. New CBS Monday. NCIS! Here's where we can see them! NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Violent island, you got here. Walking to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching this, I've been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. What's going on, everybody? It's that time again. It's the Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode 53 on this Thursday, January 25th, 2024. Josh Calloway, Colin Kennedy with you on a Thursday. Oklahoma not done in the transfer portal, question mark. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Of course, a major recruiting weekend coming up for the Sooners. Junior day over the weekend. Lots of guys Descending upon Norman, we'll, of course, preview that a little bit. Early winter workout intel returns. We'll get into that, and, of course, we'll wrap up the show after with uh, OU basketball after they uh, laid an egg a bit on Tuesday night at the LNC. I was there. I have thoughts. We'll talk about it. But first, CK, let's start with the portal, man. Last week, you know, we did the show, you and I, on Thursday. And we kind of wrapped up the portal class because it felt like it was pretty much done. It wasn't trending in a positive direction. For Lance Hurd, and they didn't get him in it went into Tennessee. So it felt like things were kind of wrapped up. So we kind of put it in perspective. But then just later that same day, you reported to our VIP members. Actually, it turns out Oklahoma maybe not done. A couple of guys from Washington, the Hatchet brothers, Geary and Hatchet and Landon Hatchet in the crosshairs of Oklahoma. I talked about it on Monday a little bit with Tom and James, just kind of what the pickups would mean if they could find a way to do it. So where do things stand, uh, CK, with these guys, these brothers from Washington? You've been all over this, reporting great stuff to our VIP members on the website. How does Oklahoma stand right now with these two guys, and uh, are they going to be able to lure them away uh, from Washington? Yeah, so this has been the talk of the offseason, right? How is Oklahoma going to replenish the offensive line within the first window? Three additions, wanted a couple more, didn't get them. Obviously, we ran through all of that last week, but the mission still remained replenish that offensive line, and it looks like those two popped up on the radar. And so naturally, when you've got two talents like those guys interested, mm-hmm. you do what you can. And this was a lot going on behind the scenes. And I, I want to lead off with this as well. You know, you guys talked a lot about Gary on Monday. I listened to it a little bit about how obviously he's a veteran, starting right guard, caliber player guy who probably slots right in there at the right guard spot for Oklahoma. Landon is the other part of this equation who was incredibly fascinating to me, was just named Washington's freshman of the year at a <laughs> football banquet, 
played in nine games as a true freshman. Roughly 6'2", 3'10", have three seasons of eligibility remaining. You're talking about two guys, in my opinion, who would potentially start at Oklahoma. And in the younger Landon, obviously Gary is probably a veteran starter right guard. Adding someone like Landon with that amount of talent at the center position for two to three years' time in the SEC, incredibly valuable. And it's, again, the baseline as to why Oklahoma is involved here. And now I wanted to bring up Landon a little bit more, Josh, because I feel it's important to consider who he is and everything that took place. So initially, it was going to be just Gary and visiting Oklahoma over this past weekend. That was the initial track. I was told yeah. that it was just going to be him. Then all of a sudden, late down the track, here comes rumors about Landon. And they had just both entered the portal. I believe Landon entered the portal roughly 10 to 11 hours after Gary. And all of this was incredibly fresh. I believe at that time they had also just been hitting the portal maybe a day and a half to two days total time. So sorting all of this stuff went by incredibly quick. It kind of felt last minute to me. And that's not a bad thing. It's just the nature of the portal. And when you trigger into that 30-day window following a coaching change, there's a lot that has to happen for you to identify your next steps. So once Landon started to pop up, that's when my ears kind of perked because I was like, okay, you get both of those guys on campus if you're Oklahoma. This this gets really interesting considering they're literally brothers joined at the hip. They always take pictures together after every Washington game, basically. Mm. They're very close. Well, turns out only Garyon was able to make the trip. I was told that Landon tried to make it work, didn't work out scheduling-wise. But Garyon, his father, Bill, some folks in their camp, they made it out to Norman and spent roughly two to three days. They actually ended up expanding their visit into about Sunday afternoon, I'm told. And obviously it went well. Like, I'm not going to throw all the typical visit talk here. Like, oh, it was great. He learned everything he needed, you know. So they went back to Washington. And now we're kind of in the stages of things as we record on this Thursday where things are very interesting to me. And I'm not going to dive into all of that. I put out a, a pretty thorough report on all of this the other day. I'm hoping to have some more. But basically, after recruiting Garion and going through his visit, now Oklahoma is in the middle of trying to figure out what that world looks like while also – trying to sort things through with Landon and still a lot of stuff going on, especially because the other note here that I think I'm willing to share that is very notable, Washington's new staff has really started to, I would say, wake up to the fact they have no offensive linemen left on campus. And that's probably a pretty big deal if you're someone like Jed Fish who just beat Oklahoma in the Alamo Bowl with mm -hmm. Arizona, showcased his offensive innovation, how much he's built up that roster, everything that Jed Fish stands for. Uh, having talented offensive linemen is pretty key, to say the least. And, it, and it's big for everybody. But when you're taking over a program that just went to the national championship game and none of those big dudes are left, you got to figure out a way to keep at least a couple of them around. And it seems like from what I'm, uh, what I'm told – Fish's new crew is trying to recruit the Hatchet brothers as much as possible to get them to stay at Washington. So now what does that look like? 
well, kind of some of the variables here, right? Landon has not visited Oklahoma yet. Garyon has. Garyon is well into his college career. Basically, Landon has freshman credits. They have different levels of interest, not just in moving across the country for, let's say, one year in Garyon's case, but three to four potentially in Landon's. Then there's also the other stuff about, okay, academics and the enrollment process and finding an apartment, working through lease structure and things of that nature. There's a lot that goes into these moves. And so Washington now trying to use all that to its advantage. And keep in mind, folks, these are two guys who grew up in the state of Washington. I believe they were both big Husky fans growing up as well. And this program clearly, in my eyes, means a lot to them. But Oklahoma is incredibly enticing because why the Hatchet brothers went to Washington originally, some of that's gone now. So OU's trying to capitalize. They are very much in the process of trying to make further moves going into this weekend. So again, as we record on this Thursday, it's kind of a pivotal stretch now for both Gary and Landon as to are they going to stay at UW? Are they going to go to Oklahoma? Hopefully we'll find out more this weekend. It's going to be interesting to keep an eye on, you know, when we talked about it, you know, the, the portal class that kind of wind, you know, wound down, yeah. but those rosters where there was big coaching changes, we talked about Alabama, Washington, Michigan's in that category now with Jim Harbaugh. You kind of have to monitor those rosters because the portal rules are different for those teams. And that's exactly what's happened here with these two. And we'll see if Oklahoma can make a splash um, by bringing one or, or that. That's my next question, actually real quick to kind of wrap it up with them, kind of a two-parter. A, do you feel that they're definitely a package deal? Is it they're both going to come or they're both not going to come? Is that the sense that you get? And then also just the urgency level because of the reasons you said. I mean, the semester has started, you know, with school. And I, yeah. I know that school, you know, football is so, you know, I hate to be that guy, I guess. But, like, they do still are students, right? they got to go to school. Like, how does that work with the fact that the semester has started OU? Is there a lot of urgency to – figure this out ASAP, or are they going to be able to take their time a little bit, uh, I guess, for lack of a better way to put that? Yeah, so two very important questions, right? And to start with the first part of it, if you would ask me maybe even a couple of days ago, I probably would have told you, like, I could paint you a path for both to play elsewhere. But now that it feels like there's very much a reality in which both brothers could play at either destination that's currently identified, it just kind of feels like common sense. They would try to capitalize on these routes together. Mm-hmm. And this is the other part of this too. I look at this and I say, look, these guys could have gone different paths because of this, that, and the other. And things like that typically not only has to do with the stuff that we're talking about logistically, but also what do the rosters look like? Well, this is kind of a unique instance in that both schools that are heavily involved right now are hitting the reset button on the offensive line. And you asked me about the package deal. Okay, why is that important? Everyone needs offensive linemen. Well, if you're legitimately talking about two different high-level Power 5 programs that are selling you on the idea of starting right next to each other Mm -hmm. the moment you make that decision, like that to me is a pretty big deal, right? Like, they have to be thinking, okay, if we stay at Washington or if we go to Oklahoma, we have a real chance to be together and now not just be together. But obviously both of these guys had to kind of spend time in reserve roles, rotating in. 
Right. I, I firmly believe that these two are evaluating these two options saying, where do we want to start together? And because of that, it's what makes me think it's more of a package deal even than it was maybe a couple of days ago. And that's why I think, again, Oklahoma's pursuit now of Landon down the stretch is incredibly key because if you go after Landon the right way, maybe that helps with you with Gary and more than it did when he was the lone visitor in Norman, right? And then you asked about the 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 process and the hurry to try and get this stuff figured out. One thing that I have felt is kind of interesting, and this is just me talking to some some folks that I know at coaching staffs across the country, right? A lot of these guys are recruiting these portal players, and one of them told me the other day, like, hey, you know, we can still go after a transfer. We can we can recruit a guy who's in the portal currently, and he still hasn't made a decision. But because of that, if we land him now, there's no guaranteeing he still makes it to us in the summer. Because if you identify your next destination, in theory, you're making a commitment, right? But until you're actually enrolled, we know what the Dylan Gabriel stuff, right? Like transfers can literally pack it up and leave mm. before the class bell rings at 9 a.m. It's, it's just that kind of world. And so I think that that kind of helps the Hatchet brothers, but it adds a whole other layer to this because I know there are a lot of coaching staffs who are concerned about the timeline and trying to build their roster because if they land a guy in the portal and he does not make it because he can't enroll in the spring, well, then all of a sudden you've got a vacancy to fill. And so I feel like this is a, a thought process that maybe aids the hatchets because it, it probably buys them some time, right? Like if you're in the portal, I don't even know how many players are still currently in the transfer portal and available. But the bottom line here, folks, is that they could all still make decisions. They can still commit to another school. It's about when can they actually arrive on campus. And so because the semester started, like, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about the Hatchets talking about either just staying at UW and just staying in classes and all that, or committing to Oklahoma and having to wait potentially until the summer. Now, obviously, I haven't figured all this stuff out specifically. There's a ton going on right now, and, and that's kind of a question you probably ask when it's actually time to ask that question. Yeah. But it's it's something to think about, as you mentioned. And, and I think for these two – a very real aspect of all this because again it kind of impacts the way you think do we pack everything up and completely change our situation and go to a prestigious place like Oklahoma or do we stay with what we know and mm -hmm. go with what we've built and I think that's kind of the difficult decision that these two have on their hands for sure it's gonna be fun to keep an eye on again subscribe oklahoma.247sports.com Colin's been all over it and uh, oh, he's been pretty good at the brother thing. They got the McCulloughs. I know Day is not around anymore, but they got them both. They got both Bowens. They got Jake Roberts. They're trying to get Nate Roberts. Um, could just have a whole bunch. This would be a, co a common theme, I guess. But uh, we'll see. It's going to be fun to keep an eye on. It would be a big deal, if, certainly, if Oklahoma could do it. And we'll be sure to update you on the website and on the podcast uh, as we learn more and as those guys make their decisions here, um, you know, whenever they do, they do so. Shifting over to recruiting at the high school ranks, 
Junior Day this weekend. We talked about it a little bit last week. It's coming up this week. A lot of guys are coming into town. I'm not going to ask you to go through the entire list because it's a, it's, a, it's a long list. And if you want the entire list, Colin has it on the site. Again, VIP member, all that good stuff. But what are a few names in particular that you want to throw out there as just ones that I guess have your high your attention the most, or however you want to you want to take it as a, obviously a big weekend for OU on the recruiting side. Lots of guys coming to town this weekend. Sure, and, and I'm going to have an updated list coming out today or tomorrow as well as we record on this Thursday. I'm going to send some more names, some more intel as far as some names that are being taken off the list. So a lot of intel coming to SoonersIllustrated.com as far as this junior day and. We touched on a few names last week, right? Sure. But as far as what you specifically asked me, who jumps out, right? Obviously, it's Jonah Williams, the guy we talked mm-hmm. about last week a little bit. Five-star, safety, linebacker, hybrid. He's one of my favorite players in the country. He's one of the best players in the country. I think he is the ideal fit for Brent Venables and that defensive staff. Getting him on campus – you have to capitalize on every opportunity, as I said last week. But I'll kind of dive into some names that I think also kind of jump out in relation to this visit stretch. And what I mean by that, kind of a quick context here. You know, these junior days, they used to kind of be just like a, let's turn the page from the senior class to the junior class. Let's build some relationships. Let's shake some hands. May not get a ton out of this, but let's at least start building that process out for the rest of the year. Now you look at the current landscape of college football. If you aren't killing it in like a junior day visit, well, by the time some of these guys commit in like March and April and May, you know, you're you're SOL, for lack of a better term. And because of that, I I look at a few of these, these big name players. We talk a lot about offensive line recruiting, and I've, I went in depth on how much I love the 2025 cycle in general from an offensive line perspective. I think the cycle across the country is incredibly deep from an offensive line perspective. I think that the 2025 class just in the region, like Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kansas, Missouri, all those kind of nearby states and a few others, there's a lot of offensive line talent. And maybe the guy that we don't talk about is enough is Andrew Babylon, Josh. He is five-star bona fide offensive tackle. I believe he's top three offensive linemen or offensive tackle for us nationally in, in the 2025 rankings. So this is a player who is currently rated above some of the fan favorite names like Michael Fasusi, Ty Haywood, some of these other big-name cats, right? Babalola, one of those Midwest offensive tackles that because of Brent Venable's ties and the staff ties in the Midwest, starting to really get involved. But I think that this junior day visit for Babalola is huge because you're talking about a player who, I mean, you've got Tennessee, Nebraska, Florida State, Penn State, Missouri, all these – huge Midwestern programs and a few in the SEC, they're all involved. I think I've heard Oregon maybe in there as well. He's going to be at Oklahoma this weekend. Confirmed that again to us. And I think if you're very serious about trying to get in on Andrew Babalola's recruitment, now's the time. I did. Yeah. You got to start now. And some of that has to do with maybe some of the shuffling 
almost musical chairs on this visitor list as far as the offensive line. And I'll get into more of that in the updated list. But to me, like we've talked so much about Fasusi and Haywood and a Lamont Rogers, right? And a few others. Like if you really want to start carving your path with Andrew Babalola, it has to happen the moment he hits Norman, Oklahoma on Saturday, because he's going to visit Tennessee the following weekend. Huge, because the Vols are they're the Vols. They're incredibly good at recruiting, name, image, and likeness, selling the program. Yeah. And then you've got, like, Nebraska has really prioritized the guy. Keep in mind, some folks will say, Nebraska. Nebraska just beat Oklahoma for Grant Bricks. So there's some some heavy hitters. And that's why I think when you have a five-star offensive tackle that doesn't get talked about a ton on campus – you really got to capitalize on the opportunity. One guy I wanted to talk about when we were doing this show, C.J. Nixon's going to be on campus this weekend. And if you don't know who C.J. Nixon is, there's probably a reason for that. He's an in-state four-star edge rusher defensive end type. I've had the pleasure a couple of times. Yeah, he's someone who if you see him or if you've run into him, you know about him. Mm Mm-hmm. Nationally, I'm going to be honest, if I talk to a lot of the the typical recruiting fan, maybe someone who keeps up with our rankings and everything, if I ask them to tell me one thing about C.J. Nixon, I don't even know if they know his name. You know, And so he's a quiet guy. His process does not get talked about a ton. That's because he doesn't really put himself out there a lot. Obviously, he plays in the state of Oklahoma. He's not in the state of Texas or Florida or California, some of these states, they get a ton of publicity in the high school ranks. But then he's also a high-level basketball crew. And so a lot of times, you know, his his opportunities to get involved with recruiting media are taken away, not like that's a bad thing, but it's not an opportunity that he faces because he's playing basketball. Now, I know, like, our own James D. Jackson, I'm going to probably have him go out there. He's been wanting to go see CJ play basketball and talk to him. But OU's been trying to get this guy back on campus now because I think this is a recruitment that, should Oklahoma play its cards well, like, you're probably in the driver's seat. But also, I think it's a lot about both OU and CJ kind of feeling each other out a little bit. I think more familiarity needs to be built here as far as the long-term trajectory of this recruitment, right? And that's not a bad thing. I think more than anything, it's just this is kind of a gray area right now. And now that you get into these recruiting months, all right, it's time to really figure out whether OU and CJ want this to be a potential partnership. So Junior Day will play a big role on that. Tristan Haynes is going to be on campus. Another in-state guy who does get talked about a lot. Really highly rated corner. He's the kind one of the last there. guy at that Carl, like the last guy that OU hasn't landed yet. The, the last domino to fall is exactly what I was going to say from the Carl Albert crew, man. And and this to me is arguably the guy you got to get because of the position he plays. When you're a premium player and you do what he does, both sides of the ball versatility projectable frame, extreme athleticism, track and field time, if I remember correctly. Like, Tristan Haynes is the ideal cornerback for Oklahoma to land. Having him on campus again, I, I think I think with Tristan Haynes, Josh, and 
And Kobe Sellers, who we talked about last week, mm. as one of the other visitors that's very public about his trip to Norman, I think you're legitimately talking about two of the cornerbacks Oklahoma has a realistic shot to add in 2025, both being on campus this weekend. And I don't think that's a small note. And so if you're going to cover ground with those two, now's the time. If you want to try and close with both of those two, now is the time. And then one more guy I'll probably know because there's just so many other names, right? Yeah. I, I'm really interested to see what happens with uh, – we talked so much about defensive line recruiting last cycle, right? No yeah. one's really talking about defensive line recruiting this cycle. Max Granville, folks, is a player in the greater Houston area that Oklahoma's in a really solid spot for. I would say OU's probably in the top two to three somewhere. He's from Fort Bend Christian Academy. And I say that because Oklahoma's gone into Fort Bend Christian Academy and they've recruited a couple players heavily from there, but haven't come out on top. Offensive tackle from this past class went to Tennessee. A couple cycles before, I covered a, a center at Fort Bend Christian Academy who was down to AM in Oklahoma, ended up going to AM. Max Granville's kind of the latest Fort Bend Christian Academy recruit that OU's pursuing. I think there's a very real opportunity for OU to land him. In fact, I, I think that of all the Fort Bend Christian Academy players that OU's recruited, this is probably your best chance at closing. But you still got to close. I mean, I know Texas A&M is involved. He was just at Baylor the other day. But this is a, a recruit, Josh, who I've heard some people say is the great value Micah Parsons, which is is kind of hilarious to think about because he's, yeah. he's roughly 6'3". I believe he's about 220 pounds, can play the edge, can play linebacker, can move all over. Physical, fast, heavy-handed. So he has a lot of the traits, but obviously no one is Micah Parsons. It's just kind of a fascinating recruit in that he can do the Micah Parsons stuff at the high school level. And that's why I find him incredibly intriguing when we talk about a Brent Venables-led defense. So if this is a, a edge prospect, a defensive end type, who you think you might arguably even be in the lead for, well, what better time than now to continue to try and further that potential lead? Again, I think it's top two or three, but I also think Oklahoma and Max Granville make a lot of sense right now. So those are a few guys I, I'm watching. And then this is my last note as we close the book here. I know the, the, the other question everyone's going to want to ask, Josh, is, okay, who's going to commit? Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, I think the number that I would project is zero. And that's not an indictment on anybody. You know, you look at the current landscape. I know that AM's junior day, that's on the same weekend as Oklahoma's this weekend, this is like their second or third already. And I don't think that AM has added anybody from those junior days. I know AM's potentially going to have another junior day on February 3rd. So, this might be like junior day two or three for the Aggies. I know Texas just had one, and they landed two commitments, and now everyone's thinking, okay, you should just commit. Like Tennessee has a junior day that I believe came and gone. I don't remember who all they picked up. Everyone's having junior days right now, and 
I think, again, this is more of an event that's about really starting to hit the gas pedal with the 2025 cycle rather than trying to land a bunch of commits. Now, I, I again, think that some of these guys who are going to be on campus might be targeting a commitment date of March or April, which, again, makes a late January visit very important. But that's kind of my, my final thing is I threw out a couple of names. Again, I think Oklahoma's involved heavily with a lot of these recruits, and they're in good standing. But I still wouldn't expect or set the, the, the expectations too unrealistically because it could, be, it could be an outstanding event. Everything could go well, and there may not be any commitments from it. But that's not an indictment on the actual event or the staff. It's more a, a, a telling tale of what this event actually means. Right. It's going to be a heck of a weekend. Uh, a lot of guys coming to town. Like I said earlier, I'll pump it again. VIP, become a VIP member. Collins had an updating list. Like I said, he's going to have another one today as far as getting everybody locked down. We only really scratched the surface in terms of it's a lot of guys uh, coming to town. Going to be a lot coming out of it. And uh, we'll find out what kind of inroads Oklahoma can make. Certainly a lot of interesting names that Collins went through, and there's even more than that. Um, going to be a big weekend. It'll be fun to keep an eye on uh, from afar as a lot of guys make their way to Norman this weekend. The Sooners Illustrated Podcast will be back after this short break. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1 back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Shifting over to the current team a little bit. Um, on Monday, Tom and James and I, you know, we kind of got into a little bit of winter workouts stuff and some some guys that we kind of were going to have an eye on and, you know, uh, guys who this would be an important stretch for them. And it's just getting going. You've had a couple of notes packages up for, again, for our VIP members in terms of early things that you're hearing coming out of the winter workouts. And keep in mind, you know, I talked about it on Monday a little bit. That's it's exactly what it sounds like. They're not practicing. You know, they're not putting pads on and throwing the football around. It's workouts. It's hitting the gym. It's put, we're lifting weights. It's conditioning things like that. But early returns that you're hearing so far, and again, we're early. It's not in February yet. But early returns that you're hearing in terms of maybe one or two names that have uh, stuck out so far 
any little breadcrumbs that OU fans can uh, can hang on to to get a little, a little taste of what's going on with the team right now in, obviously, late January. Yeah, it sounds like the wide receivers have been killing it so far in winter workouts, and that's kind of to be expected when you've got guys like Nick Anderson and Jamie mm-hmm. Wilson and all of these big bodies, athletic freaks. It sounds like a lot of these guys are – going through things very well, building up their bodies, and, and I'm excited to see what comes from that group. I know that Deion Burks has been around as well, the transfer. he I haven't asked specifically about him, but I have heard that he's been around and been going through some things. But it kind of goes out from there. One guy I wanted to mention on that wide receiver group, why I brought it up, sounds like Brennan Thompson really taking a step forward. Excited to see him capitalize on this because, as you guys talked about it on Monday, this is kind of his first true offseason sure. with the program. And I heard he's been testing well. I know I think he earned future impact player award the other day from the program. So Brennan Thompson's tracking incredibly well. Uh, some of the transfer linemen are around. I know Michael Tarquin has basically had an apartment now for like a hot minute and has been training <laughs> in the area and now obviously getting ready to go. He's been enrolled, as, as we reported back, for a while now. And then I put together a little notes package because you guys talked about some guys that are important from a, a, sort of a holdover perspective, right? Guys who were on the team last year that need sure. to capitalize. You guys mentioned some transfers. I just put out a, a little bit of a notebook on the freshmen and some of these new faces who are coming in kind of having their – Welcome to OU moment. Now, I was told that was exactly the case. Not in a bad way. It's not like anyone was struggling. But I guess they went through speed school the other day, and a lot of those freshmen were like, oof. So, oh, yeah. But uh, a couple of guys that I've heard, obviously David Stone has not only been working out well, I've heard he his body looks great. Uh, that was one thing that I was told is he's carrying his frame really well. So people are excited to see what he does in the weight room specifically because if he does it right, he's he's probably at a playing weight that's pretty outstanding for a freshman of almost all lean muscle, right? And then he's also been like a really strong leader for the freshman class. You've got a couple of guys that I've heard standing out, Danny Okoye. I, I, I heard that he like tested really well and then went out to that OU basketball game that we're going to get into and was uh, – Throwing the horns down and all that stuff, but a lot of guys were there. Yeah, a lot. A lot of guys. yeah. Hey, this is the time of year, man, where those dudes are like, they're grinding, they're grinding. They probably need a reminder that at some point there's going to be some game action for you. You know what I mean? So you mm-hmm. go and see an event. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I think some some guys I wanted to give a shout out to, Jaden Jackson. Just, I mean, that guy has everyone buzzing. I. I he, I'm trying to formulate some content concepts to kind of pull the curtain back. I'm trying to think of some articles to write that would catch the attention of the Oklahoma fan, what they're interested to know. or And I'm trying to think of some signing day superlatives, right, about this class. Because they're all, almost all of them are enrolled at this point. And to me, like, that's probably the, the biggest get for OU. Uh, the class MVP is David Stone. But the way that they just last minute swung the addition of Jaden Jackson, and he's come in since that mid-year enrollee period, and from the bowl practices on has just been killing it. Mm. I mean, he's he's been outstanding. And then 
he was also at the basketball game the other night, Jaden Jackson, and he, he's one of the maybe the number one guy easiest to to, to pick out of, of a group because he is just a monstrous person. And yeah, yeah it, it yeah. I mean, he's already built like a like a industrial grade refrigerator, stainless <laughs> steel, at like six foot two, six foot three, three hundred plus pounds. And he was just at the at the Polynesian Bowl killing it with David as well, where obviously Stone won defensive MVP. The last guy I wanted to give a shout out to, you know, you know, I'm a huge fan of this guy, Josh, because I I started banging this drum that he went wildly underappreciated back when he committed during the Kansas loss. <laughs> I I was told Reggie Powers put up combine like numbers in the bench press and the vertical jump the other day. And and I noted for our subscribers, I was like, I'm not going to share the exact number, but it's well into double digits. And I'm going to just tell you right now, it's like, we're not talking teens. So yeah, when you have a freshman, technically a senior in high school, doing that stuff as a, a late ad at the safety cheetah position, like that's the kind of guy you're looking for. Right, that's who Brent Venables needs to have in the program, moving towards the SEC and trying to build this defense the way he wants it. Because those are kind of the the skill sets that he had at times at Clemson, and it just sounds like Reggie Powers, man, has flown under the radar and just been absolutely killing it, and and is expected to do more of the same as we go through winter workouts and then get closer to spring practice. We'll continue to update you. Obviously, intel on the on the site already. More to come, uh, you know, over the next several weeks um, as we continue to get little breadcrumbs out of what, what's going on in Norman. It was cool to see so many guys at that Texas basketball game, which we're going to talk about in just a second. Um, both like the freshman incoming class, a lot of those guys. Stone was there, like you said, Akoya. I saw Devon Mitchell, bunch bunch of guys. I think Eli Bowen, um, but a ton of the returning players as well, like. Sal McCullough, Angel Anthony, Trace Ford, it was uh, uh, Julia Farouk was there. It was a bunch of guys. It's just kind of cool to see that many guys together at another OU game. Like it's just that kind of team camaraderie thing is kind of cool, especially when you're looping the fact that so many of the young new guys were with them. It was a group of like 20, 25, maybe more, yeah, uh, down there. Um, we probably wish the game went a little better, but it was still cool to, to see uh, see that. So and, and, um, and look, man, like real quick, that's not something you take for granted, Oklahoma fans. But like, do not because yeah. I remember covering an OU basketball game in Austin, and I mean there was a couple of fans there, obviously back in the day at the drum. And I, I there's not there's not often, no matter where you go, that cross sport representation, and so. For OU football players to not only be at things together and building those bonds on top of obviously building up their bodies and everything, but going out and supporting, investing in the community, like I think that's something that's really cool that maybe flies on the Hundred percent. And like I said, we'll continue to talk about winter workouts, guys for standing out, little breadcrumbs that we get a hold of over the next several weeks on the show. So be sure to tune in regularly and subscribe to the site for the full notes packages. Collins had a couple uh, great ones already. I plan to contribute to that as well in the very near future um so that's all segue pretty nicely we're just talking about the basketball game so we'll wrap up with a little bit of hoops talk tuesday night oklahoma hosted texas at the wood noble center you know we talked about on monday with tom and james massive win in cincinnati over the weekend one of the best wins of the porter moser era certainly one of the best wins of this season but one of the best wins under porter period 
um, in his three years to go into Cincy, beat that good tournament team in a sellout building. That was a statement win. And they followed up with a rough one uh, on Tuesday night. Um, the Sooners go down to Texas. I'm sure most people watch the game. Even people who are very casual, you know, don't care about basketball that much. Pretty much were tuned in on Tuesday. It was Texas. It was a nationally televised game. It was a great crowd, especially on the student section. It was as good of a student section as I've seen at the LNC, maybe since Buddy Heald was around here. Certain, maybe maybe Trey Young. It's been a while, and you know they didn't really deliver. It was an ugly game. It, it, you know, most people I'm sure watched. You know, they just offensively it looked so hard. Couldn't finish anything at the rim. Couldn't hit threes. Shot a really poor percentage, and especially the last ten minutes was very hard on the eyes and a disappointing game. Now, obviously the sky is not falling. It's not college football, which is important to remind people, you know, the season isn't defined by one game. Oklahoma is just fine in terms of their NCAA tournament resume is still fantastic. They're still right about the middle of the big 12 where this hurts you is kind of what I was just alluding to, which is the fan momentum, because this is something that they did a lot last year. Yeah. where they had these games where there was some momentum. They got a big crowd at the LNC. People are into it. People are locked in. And then they kind of laid an egg. They did it in Bedlam last year. They did it in the Texas game last year. They did it a couple other times. And it happened again uh, on Tuesday night. TK, obviously, did pretty disappointing loss. Again, it doesn't sink your season. In terms of just literally the season, you're you're fine. But it it just quenches or, you know, the right word I'm looking for here, kind of extinguishes a lot of the – the momentum and hype train, I guess, that you had going for you. We'll see how they bounce back in a couple of days. But uh, that was a rough one on Tuesday. That 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 was an ugly, ugly ball game. But that's the thing is, it's it's not really about the season. Like the season isn't the problem for Oklahoma basketball, right? Like this is usually a program that can sneak into the tournament on a relatively consistent basis. And this is a tournament caliber team. Yeah. Well, I don't think that there's any question. This this team's going to be dancing. It's exactly what you talk about. They didn't just kind of lay an egg. I, you know, I was I was watching on our YouTube channel. Remember, subscribe. You put out the the press conference from Porter Moser, and I was watching it because I was like, I want to see what he has to say. And one of the things he was talking about, he got asked about slow starts for Oklahoma. They had another one, and he said, you know, you don't lose or win the game in the first or the last five minutes. And I was like, hundred percent. That's, that's, that's correct. Mm. OU lost that game the moment the second half started. I mean, it was – Tom wrote in his game story, he said it perfectly, they faded. And it was like, where did they go? They evaporated on the floor. And, yeah. you know, I'm tuning in. And, I again, I always kind of relate to the fan base a little bit because I, I've got to cover recruiting, I'm traveling, football stuff's year-round. I don't always get to be – too plugged into the spring sports. So I'm watching this from a fan perspective. I'm like, I'm excited. Like, I've watched a press conference this week. That doesn't happen. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch the game. My wife is like, why yeah. the hell is there basketball on the TV? I'm like, hey, like we're, 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 we're locking in today. And, man, like, they have that slow start, all that. And then the moment that second half started, and as you mentioned, like the 10 minutes or so, it just didn't look like a team – that was ready to seize the moment. And that's the problem. Because why I say the season's never been the issue, OU basketball's a pretty good program. All things considered, especially when you consider, like, the resources. I mean, arena, compared to some of these other basketball powerhouses, 
uh, OU gets cleared, and Oklahoma is still a relatively consistent basketball program. But you're trying to generate the traction to change that. That's always been the issue from a recruiting perspective, mm-hmm. from a facilities perspective, uh, a fan perspective, filling that arena, even though it's bad, to name, image, and likeness donations these days, right? Because in the era of a one and done, a Trey Young, Buddy Heald type talent, especially a Trey Young who's a heralded five-star guard type out of high school, right? Like name, image, and likeness in the world of college basketball is incredibly important because the Kentuckys and the Dukes and all that, they're coming to play. Yeah. Oklahoma's trying to fix all of that, and no matter how many games OU wins in the regular season, in front of fans, not in front of fans, it's it's about changing the inconsistent perception of the program relative relative to the amount of bodies that are actually invested in OU basketball. And that that took a serious ding because of this. Because you mentioned, man, I haven't seen a student section like that maybe since I was in the student section for the OU Texas basketball game (laughs) when Buddy Field was playing in the Lloyd. I remember that being one of the loudest arena moments that I had been around. And and the fans did an outstanding job. Yeah, they were there. They delivered, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm sure you were going to get into this, but I just want to say it. I mean, for OU Texas, that matchup in basketball to be slated for a 6 p.m. T- 6 p.m. tip was criminal. I mean, it was, it was rough. And OU basketball fans showed up. And I gave everyone in that arena a ton of credit. But – because of that, you gotta capitalize on your opportunity, and and it wasn't one of those things, man, where like you lost at the buzzer or they kind of had to free throw it out, right? There's nothing worse than getting to a an exciting atmosphere for a sporting event, and the game just completely sours well before the game is even over. Yeah, and that's that's what OU fans had to experience, and now it's. It's what OU basketball is going to have to continue to address because this is a recurring thing. It, it was it was just a chance to pick up a lot of fans, and it's just the way it is, you know, with with OU basketball. It's not, you know, OU basketball has a lot of fans who are diehard that really care about that program and watch every game and are locked in. But there's also a lot that are very kind of fair weather. They're casual with it. When the team is good, they'll hop aboard. And everybody was into that game on Tuesday. It was a great crowd. Like I said, a lot of their games have been on ESPN Plus this season. A lot more will continue to be. This game was on. ESPN proper, right? It was on national TV. Greg Sankey was there as you see commission came to the Lloyd Noble Center for this game. It's a great crowd, great student section. And it's in deliver. And the stat that is floating around that is really, really gross right now is Porter Moser's one to nine against Texas and Oklahoma State. That's not good. That's that's bad. And though that it's really bad. And one in I think 14 if you loop in Kansas. Now Kansas is Kansas. So you'd sure. like to beat them at some point. Um, especially at home, Lon, had, Lon Kruger had made a habit of playing Oak Kansas pretty tough in Norman, at least. Winning at the Fog is a different animal. But one in nine against Texas and Oklahoma State is just that that's hard on the eyes, you know, and you got to find a way to turn that around um, at some point. That was a chance to build a lot of momentum, and they didn't do it. And we'll see how they bounce back. Saturday becomes a massive game. Texas Tech comes to Norman, it's a top 20 team. It becomes a massive game. And again, not in the context of the season. Oh, man, they're going to miss the tournament. They still have a lot of cushion because they played well. Before Tuesday, none of their losses were bad. Like, they were all very forgivable losses. All on the road, 
all the good teams, two of them the top 10 teams in Kansas and North Carolina. This loss was bad. This was an unforgivable loss, especially the way it went. Like you said, it wasn't even competitive down the stretch. Yeah. Texas Tech on Saturday, you can you can turn things around quickly by winning that game where the exact opposite is true if you lose it. It can really snowball on you. You go to the Octagon of Doom next Tuesday. It's a place Oklahoma has not played very well for a long time. You go to UCF the next Saturday, who's playing pretty good basketball. It's another tough road game. Mm-hmm. You, you need Saturday. You can turn this around quickly with a win on Saturday. It's it's kind of a it's an inflection point. You know, which which way is this going to go? Uh, we're going to find out, I think, a lot on, on Saturday. And right after that, ranked BYU team looks like Oklahoma State. And that, yeah. that Oklahoma State game is going to be in Norman again. You think you're going to get that crowd again? I, yeah. you know, I don't know. And to consider that record – those are the games you got to win to garner mm-hmm. attention. Well, it's it's not fair. It's not a great way to think about it. I'm not excusing it, but there are a lot of people that, you know, like I said, they're they're not real diehard for basketball, but they made the effort to get there. It was a packed house. 6 p.m. Yeah. tips are hard to get to. You got to leave right after work. It's tough. I, I understand that. But it was packed. People were locked in. People got up for it, and the team didn't deliver. And so there's a lot of people that are going to check out now that are, are not going to say, like, I don't want to go back out <laughs> They're going to remember what happened last time, and they're going to think, I don't want to – I'll just watch on TV, you know. Right. And that's where you miss the opportunity by not playing better. So we'll see. Still a lot, a lot of road on this season. It's not, again, far from over. Nobody's saying that. But it was a very disappointing game. Just yeah. I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you as someone who covers the team in person, given the, the important stretch that's coming up and how they flopped, kind of some game takeaways that apply to this stretch, right? Like what did you see or what are you feeling right now in terms of maybe the team, certain players, coaching, just in general, what does Oklahoma basketball maybe need to fix or address or maybe some things that are standing out as they head down the rest of this way into February? Boy, it's tough. Well, first off, you know, Sam Godwin had been really, really good. He's struggling. He had a rough game uh, on Tuesday. We talked about it on Monday with Tom. You know, the foul trouble had been hurting him. That wasn't really the problem on Tuesday as much as just he didn't play well. Uh, got to be stronger at the rim. John Hughley was was much better of the two bigs. Um, you know, it's hard because it's just a lot of it comes out as being tougher, I guess, which Porter Moser has said they got to be tougher with the ball. They just weren't finishing anything at the rim. So, like, any kind of contact, and it wasn't ending well, other than Jay Lamore, who's a maniac. I like to see that guy in pads because he is just – he is such a freak athlete. But JV McCollum and and Low Suzon have been really great. Um, they just they need those guys to give more on the offensive end. Just kind of bottom line. And um, you know McCollum has been really really good most of the season. Big Twelve play, as you would expect, he's taking a little bit of a dip, which he had never came from Seattle. He never played this level before. Really talented player. They need him to be their go to number one scoring option. When he's not, that's something that they're sorely missing. So it's kind of hard to put your you know, finger on one thing, but a lot of it is, yeah, t- take care of the ball, find a way to finish at the rim. Because I thought the defense was pretty much fine for the most part uh, on Tuesday. But offensively, it was hard to watch. And, you know, early in the year, they were getting out transition, getting lots of easy buckets, playing fast. It felt like they got back to some bad habits on Tuesday of playing slow and Porter Moser calling the offensive set like every possession, which is something that they did a lot the last couple of years that it felt like they had gotten away from in a good way, and they, they got back to that on Tuesday. It was just – it was hard to watch offensively. It was hard to watch. So, I don't know. It's I don't know if there's any one answer, but we'll see if they can get back to kind of what they were doing 
earlier the play much looser and free and flying around and going to the rim. It seemed like it was everything was real like not smooth. Not everything was forced on yeah. Tuesday. So we'll we'll see if they can get back to that. Big game against Texas Tech on Saturday. And Tom and I will be there at the LNC. So hopefully people uh follow along on the site and YouTube channel afterward, things like that. I think that's it. Like I said, we'll be at the LNC on Saturday. Big basketball game. We hope you tune in for uh coverage from Tom and myself on the site on the YouTube channel. Back on Monday with Tom and James to recap the weekend that was for hoops, both men and women. Do want to make sure we shout out Jenny Bronchek and women's hoops. Knocked off number 10 Texas in Austin last night. Big time win for them. Um, they have a home game on Saturday. I'm sure we'll wrap that all up as well on Monday. All the way to football, winter workouts, recruiting news coming out of junior day, transfer portal stuff. We got you covered, as always, on the pod on Monday. CK, appreciate you as always, man. We'll see you next week. Have a good weekend. Hopefully, uh, you got to get pretty. Is it pretty lax? What, what do you got going on? Is it you know no. traveling around as much right now? I assume. Um, so all that's going on right now, folks. And then this weekend alone, I've got Shock Doctor Seven on Seven Dallas. A lot of recruits expected to be there. Obviously, Junior Day is going to be kept up to date. Then I've got DFW Coaches Clinic. I'm going to be shaking the trees with some power players in the sport here in the Metroplex. Talk to them a little about. OU football, recruiting, all that good stuff. And then, you know, when we do the pod next Thursday, I'm going to be out of the East-West Shrine Bowl over the next few days. And Yeah, that's right. Walter, Walter Rouse will be there. David Uwebu, a little blast from the past. There we go. He'll be there from University of I was like talking to David Uwebu. And guy. then, you know, I, this is another thing, too. This is kind of one of my goals. You know, Edger and Cooper, who's projected to be the number one linebacker, in the draft out of Texas A&M. That guy was an OU commit once upon a time. So I'm hoping <laughs> to have some stories over the next few days to share on Thursday. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So we'll look forward to that for sure. Um, it's January. It's supposed to be the slow time, but it's kind of getting busy. Like I talked about on Monday, diamond sports are kind of slowly creeping up. Um, by the time we do the show next Thursday, it'll be February. So buckle up, people. We're, we're, we're getting closer to spring ball and some other, other big things before you know it. Again, be sure to become a VIP subscriber. Lots of winter workout intel, portal intel, recruiting intel, other VIP stories and insight from Tom James as well. Of course, we'll be back Monday to recap everything going on in Oklahoma football, basketball, and all, everything, anything else that comes aboard. We'll talk about it on Monday. CK, appreciate you as always. For Colin Kennedy, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you guys Monday right back here for the next edition of the Sooners Illustrated Podcast.